0: like Bob on Facebook at facebook.com slash bob bernie live
1: and welcome back to Bob Bernie live thank you thank you for uh, joining me um Supreme Court news. The Supreme Court begins today in hearing two very important abortion cases. And the strange thing is the uh, Mississippi case has been before the court for a long time. The uh, law in Mississippi that actually ultimately could, and I want to emphasize that, could lead to the overturning of Roe v. Wade. Um, That's been on the docket for quite some time. The Texas case is about the heartbeat bill, and the Supreme Court takes up that bill first. And the Mississippi case isn't going to be heard until December 1st. And here's why, as I understand it. The, um, the Texas bill, the Supreme Court is not, at this point, dealing with the constitutionality of the law itself. Only the right of organizations to sue the state of Texas uh, concerning the heartbeat bill. Uh, Planned Parenthood, ACLU and some other organizations, some pro-abortion groups are trying, including including the the Justice Department of the United States, because President Biden said he was going to put the full force and weight of the entire U.S. government uh, to try to overturn the Texas law so that they can kill innocent unborn babies. That's not an exaggeration. That's that's true the president of the united states has promised the full weight of the entire federal government to overturn this texas law so that unborn innocent babies can be killed let that let that sink in so anyway today is kind of the first chapter in the legal saga over abortion before the Supreme Court. And uh, today, the Supreme Court will hear two hours of uh, arguments that are procedural in nature. This is not going to result in a ruling about the constitutionality of the law in Texas, at least not yet. It just addresses whether the uh, the state law in Texas or if people can – organizations like Planned Parenthood, ACLU, and so forth can have legal standing to sue to, to block the law. So I, I hope that makes sense. I hope I'm not confusing you. The Mississippi law – which oral arguments will be heard on December 1st, will actually deal with the constitutionality of state laws prohibiting abortions. And the defendants in Mississippi have made it very clear they want the Supreme Court to actually issue a ruling on Roe versus Wade. So those oral arguments are going to be heard on December 1st. The oral arguments on the Texas law today. Two hours of oral arguments, but again, it is much more a procedural issue about who can sue, what would be the outcome of the lawsuits, and so forth. Um, Now, something else important concerning the Supreme Court Sandwiched in between the uh, the oral arguments concerning the Texas law today and the Mississippi law on December 1st will be a report sometime in November from President Biden's Supreme Court Commission. Now, the purpose of this commission is to determine... Whether the president and the Democrats in Congress can remake the structure of the court. In other words, court packing. Can the president, in cooperation with the Democrats in Congress, determine that nine justices are not enough and we need 13? We need 15. And what would what is the purpose of that? To change the political ideological makeup of the Supreme Court so that the left wing liberals can immediately pass a bunch of laws and realize that if those were to go to the Supreme Court, they would then have a liberal majority rather than a conservative majority. It is an end around. It is a way to ultimately, you know, this is my opinion, but I believe it's correct. It is ultimately a way to destroy the, the balance between the three branches of government. According to the U.S. Constitution, the three branches of the federal government are to be co-equal. The executive, the legislative, and the judicial. It is a series of checks and balances. Uh, we have elections. The president uh, determines uh, who is appointed to the Supreme Court in the case of a vacancy. And there is a check and balance between the judicial branch and the executive branch. And then, of course, the legislative branch has to confirm the uh, candidate nominated by the executive branch. If this Supreme Court commission sometime this month releases their report and says, yeah, you know, we need to we need to change the uh, makeup of the Supreme Court. Uh, the country has grown, the population has grown, and so we need more than nine justices let's have uh, let's have fifteen justices. Well, who would appoint those extra justices? a democratic president who obviously would nominate liberal justices? So you would absolutely destroy the balance of the three branches of government. You would give the executive branch almost ultimate power over the makeup of the Supreme Court, and you would give the legislative branch incredible power in confirming those nominees from the president— The way it is now and the way it has been for many, many, many years, I'll have to look up how many years it's been since we've had nine members on the Supreme Court. But the way it's worked, the Supreme Court justices serve for life or until they resign. The legislature doesn't remove them. The president doesn't remove them. There is this natural process. They serve until they are no longer able to, and they resign or they die. And at that time, whoever is president and whatever party he represents has the constitutional right and privilege to replace that individual. And it's fascinating That the Democrats and the liberals had no problem with the nine justices and a president choosing Supreme Court justices of their own persuasion. They've had no problem with that. Until the Supreme Court became something that they didn't like. And so now they want to pack it, they want to change it most of what i'm hearing is that even though president biden put this commission together from what i'm hearing they are not going to recommend increasing the number of justices but we don't we just don't know so there's a lot going on in november and december with the supreme court Uh, Today, oral arguments for the uh, heartbeat bill in Texas, but again, not the constitutionality of the law itself, but the constitutionality of suing the state of Texas concerning that law passed by the people of Texas. December 1st, the Mississippi abortion bill, sandwiched in between the report from the Supreme Court Commission. So just a lot to keep our eyes on between now and the end of the year, and I will do my best to keep you informed on what's happening.
0: Follow Bob on Twitter at twittercom Bob Bernie Live.
1: Welcome back to Bobberty Live. We were just talking about the Supreme Court, Texas, and so forth. Uh, The heartbeat bill in Texas, uh, to my knowledge, and I think I'm correct on this, the very first heartbeat bill in America that has actually been enforced. There are many states around America, including Ohio, that have heartbeat bills on the books. But in each case, except for Texas, a federal judge has stepped in and said, nah, nah, no, nah, nah, it's unconstitutional and uh, blocked the law from being um, enforced. Texas has become the first, and it's it's a long-involved thing, but the, the way the Texas law is written, the... Uh, the responsibility of bringing charges against abortion providers is not the state, local government, but individuals. And because of that, uh, federal judges have said, nah, it looks like this is constitutional. It's already been to the Supreme Court once. And the Supreme Court says we're not going to block it. It's back. But, but anyway, anyway. Texas is the first state that has actually been able to enforce a heartbeat bill which basically says once a heartbeat can be uh, detected, you cannot abort the baby. So, the big question, does it work? Does it save lives? Well, we now know. Researchers at the University of Texas of all places, not exactly a Christian organization, but researchers at the University of Texas Policy Evaluation Project. They have studied data from state clinics and found that abortions in September, the first full month that the law was in effect, dropped forty nine Eight percent. Rounded up to fifty percent. Compared to the same month one year earlier. So the heartbeat bill in Texas has led to a fifty percent decline in abortions in the state. Fifty percent. You say, well, shouldn't it be a hundred percent? Yeah, well, technically, yes. But, uh, quote, the 49.8% decrease is larger than the 13% decline that occurred following the 2013 implementation of an omnibus abortion bill, which was HB2, which required physicians uh, that did abortions uh, get hospital admitting privileges and so forth. We've had similar legislation here in. Uh, The state of Ohio. So here's the bottom line. There have been many laws passed across America limiting abortions, making it more difficult. None of these laws that have passed, pro life laws, many of them passed here in Ohio, none of them have led to a 50% decline in abortions. That is incredibly, incredibly significant, and that's why the um, the Supreme Court, making a determination—and by the way, this is a fast track—when um, they uh, hear oral arguments on December 1st about the Mississippi law, a decision will probably not be handed down until sometime next spring. Um But this is a a fast-track consideration, so uh, the experts, and I'm not one of them, the experts are predicting that it will be just a few days or maybe a week uh, before the Supreme Court makes a decision as to whether the state of Texas can be sued over this law. And then we'll see where that goes. Um. As science progresses, as we know more about unborn babies, as ultrasound technology continues to improve, as we learn more about DNA and genetics, in in other words, the more true science we understand about babies, birth, gestation, the more we learn the harder it is to be pro abortion. I say this constantly. Real science never contradicts the Bible. Never. Sooner or later, eventually, real science catches up with biblical truth. And that's certainly the case with abortion. In spite of the fact that we have the most pro-abortion president in American history, science is on our side. All right, quick break. We'll be back with the 5 o'clock hour.
0: Three-star general Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's